Talk to my friend Drew. And I'll tell you what, he's a tough guy. A millennial conservative. I've, I've become a big fan of One your writing. Of the great young thinkers of our time. Appreciate his opinion. Conservative Drew Allen. As diehard conservative. I'm to this guy for wisdom. Well, the Obamas, they returned to the White House earlier today, I guess it was this afternoon on, on East Coast time, um, for, you know, the, the unveiling of their portraits, their presidential portraits. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I'm wondering if they were there just to take in uh, the portraits, to view the portraits, or if they were also there to to view a pathway to the White House, a pathway to the presidency in 2024. You know, Hillary Clinton said yesterday, I think it was, or a couple days ago recently, that there there is a zero chance that she is going to run for president in 2024, not just in 2024. She's never running for president again, she claims. Uh, she also claims she, she didn't lose the 2016 election. So maybe in her mind, she's satisfied. She's convinced herself that she actually did win in 2016, and therefore there is no reason for her to run again in the future. But, you know, she was never going to be the candidate again. I mean, the party moved on. They gave her her shot in 2016 after overlooking her before choosing Obama over her, and, uh, and she failed miserably. And so her political career was over in 2016, obviously, you know. I mean, it was done. 2020, when they ran Biden over her and everyone else, I mean— Obviously, that that was the writing was on the wall for the Clinton uh, crime family. Uh, they're out of there. They're out of there. They'll just have to grasp on to whatever confidential emails that they stowed away uh, in their private residence. So anyway, this was Obama's second trip back to the White House. Remember, a few months ago, he made his first trip back to the White House since he left the Oval Office. And he called, uh, you know, Joe Biden jokingly, but he was serious. He called him his vice president, talked down to the president of the United States. And, you know, you saw that scene unfold. Joe Biden, you know, it was I, I, I compared it back then to, you know, the, the kid who it's his birthday party, but nobody wants to show up. So he invites, you know, somebody famous there and then he's overshadowed. You know, the event wasn't even about Joe Biden while he was president. Everyone was grabbing on to Barack Obama, trying to shake the Messiah's hand once again. So anyway, but this was Michelle Obama's first trip back to the White House. And like I said, they were there for the unveiling of their official portraits. Now, they had other portraits that'll go in the gallery, right? That's the one where you had a Barack Obama in the jungle. In the jungle. Now, you know... If some conservative had painted that, you know, they'd be called racist for obvious reasons. But anyway, that was a bizarre painting. I think these paintings are improvements over over what we saw before, these official portraits that are going to hang in the White House. But, well, I'm going to explain what they look to you. I'm going to describe in vivid detail because actually I, I think, look, there is much to be gleaned from these portraits. And, you know, the tradition was... This was supposed to have happened under Trump. For obvious reasons, it did not. Nobody really commented on it, but um, there was no um, kindness. There was no uh, love lost between the Trumps and the Obamas. I mean, we saw that when they they gave the Obamas that whatever gift it was in that Tiffany box or Tiffany, uh, you know, blue colored 
unmistakable Tiffany box. And, uh, you know, it was just, it was, it was uncomfortable. And so they didn't, they didn't, you know, sitting presidents, the current president is supposed to unveil the portraits of his immediate predecessor. Well, the president, the first lady could be a first man, but you know, that hasn't happened yet. And so now they're doing it under Biden. They didn't do it before because of COVID. (laughs) Maybe these artists actually just needed more time. Uh, But maybe they should have stopped while they were ahead. Now, Obama's portrait, it it looks like a photograph. And that's the intention. It is photorealism. So it looks like someone took a photo of Barack Obama and and stuck it on a white background. And it's, it's bizarre. I mean, he's just standing there with no perspective. Now, this is the artist's style. Robert McCurdy is the artist that Obama commissioned to paint this portrait of him. They both commissioned different artists, but Robert McCurdy's the one who did Obama's portrait. And this is, this is what McCurdy's famous for. So he paints these portraits of famous people, and they're supposed to look realistic like photographs. And then he sticks them on a white background. But again, it's just... Uh, like I said, I mean, it's very boring. You've got Obama, and this is the style, too. He's just stoic, expressionless on his face. But he's just, he's on a white background. It's not presidential, for one. There's nothing presidential about it. But, you know, that's typical. The Obamas were never presidential. They were posers. They viewed themselves more like pop icons than anything else. And that's also how the Democrat voters viewed them. They were so cool. And then Michelle Michelle Obama's portrait, though, this this... I mean, some of you may say, oh, it's, it's not that bad. I mean, I, I, I think hers is truly terrible, especially if you study the, the artist herself. Sharon Sprung is the name of the artist who painted Michelle Obama's portrait. And look at her work. She is a talented artist, absolute top of her game. And she, she paints these portraits of people, and they are amazing. They are beautiful, gorgeous. And Michelle's is not. If you compare Michelle Obama's portrait to the artist Sharon Sprung's previous work, this looks like Sharon Sprung is still in uh, school for fine art, trying to find herself. I mean, I, I would have thought that maybe Hunter Biden had been commissioned to do Michelle Obama's painting. You know, it, it just looks that amateur. And it, it, again, it's unimpressive. The colors don't work, in my opinion. You know, Michelle's wearing this this debutante gown, right? It's light blue in the portrait. She's got her, uh, whatever, the piece that goes over your your shoulder. Uh, you know, it's draping down below. They're trying to make Michelle Obama, who who does not, who she's not, she's not effeminate. I'm just saying that objectively. I'm not attacking her, but you know, Melania was a woman, right? She was she was. That is what you think of when you think of of, you know, feminism in, in, in some capacity. And Michelle Obama's just not. I mean, that's just, that's just DNA genetics, whatever. I mean, she's, she's built bigger, heftier. Uh, you know, everyone talks about her muscular arms. And, and so anyway, she's in this, this, this kind of light blue gla- gown. And she's seated on this red sofa. And the background, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's pink. But it's not bright pink. It's kind of a, a nude, not a nude color. What do you call it's it's skin tone? And you know, Michelle, of course, is black, and behind her is this pink flesh tone background. She's on a red couch. And, and to me, these colors just don't go together. And 
you know, I, I, I think that, like I said, this is one of Sharon Sprung's worst pieces, in my opinion. And maybe she was just too nervous because she worships Michelle Obama. So she was worried about, you know, harsh judgment. She was trying to please Michelle, going against her artistic instincts when she felt free painting other people, that she did such wonderful work. Maybe she held back. Maybe she censored herself. I mean, I can imagine the Obamas, can't you? I mean, they don't know anything about art. They aren't the experts. But I can imagine them telling the artists, making them nervous, telling them how to do her job. Sharon Sprung, how to do your job. Just like Democrats tell the American people, right? They don't have real-world experience, these politicians, the Obamas. They aren't experts in anything but lying and pretending. But they're always telling you and me how to live. So it wouldn't surprise me if that's why this seems to be so much lower in terms of quality of Sharon Sprung's work. And that's what I get from the Michelle Obama portrait. You know, the Obamas and the Democrats, they get bad results out of people because they don't understand human nature. They don't unleash people's inner talent. They don't respect people's individuality. They think they're superior. Deities. So they interfere. You know, they intimidate. They don't know how to lead. They don't know how to inspire people to achieve or bring out the best in people. They just know how to snuff out talent, snuff out innovation. And that's what I see. A great portrait painter. Sharon Sprung, a true talent who did some of her worst work painting Michelle. And so, you know, this pink, everything's intentional, right? Artists, everything's intentional. They worked on these things for six months to a year, maybe longer. And this pink background for Michelle, we know why it was chosen. It was chosen because it's feminine. And so this is an attempt to make Michelle appear feminine. And like I said, she's not particularly feminine. That's, that's just a fact. Like I said, Melania is feminine. Hillary Clinton is not feminine. But, you know, both of these portraits are, I suppose, in, one, in another way, perfect for the Obamas. Because they're presenting the Obamas as something they aren't. They've always been fakers, always been posers, radical Marxists pretending to be moderate. Pop icons pretending to be presidential. But they weren't presidential. They viewed themselves as pop icons. They weren't serious people. They aren't serious people. And neither portrait is serious. And, you know, the Obamas are completely out of, pu- out of touch. On the one hand, you know, they think they can transcend the presidency. But neither of these portraits reflect presidential portraits. They are not presidential portraits. They're like casual royalty. That's what I get from these. And that's what the Obamas look look at themselves as. You know, they're not upholding the traditions of the presidency. I mean, they they just, it's like, I don't know, you're, you're going through a Monet exhibit. And then, um, you know, in the middle of the exhibit, that's supposed to be for you know, Monet, you see Andy Warhol's Campbell soup can. So anyway, those are my thoughts on this. I'm going to take a short break. I'll be right back. We're going to talk about, you know, the appointment of this special master. 
uh, to oversee and look at these documents that were seized by the DOJ and the FBI. That's got the left lit up. They are going crazy over this, and I'll explain why. And also, we've got the steady leaking of information, documents from the DOJ, the deep state, the FBI, to the Washington Post. Incredible, folks. This is Drew Allen, your millennial minister of truth. I'll be right back. When I was a little boy, way back home in Liverpool, Before I get to the the stories about, uh, you know, what's going on with these document leaks to the Washington Post from the FBI and the DOJ and those people supposedly reviewing the documents, and of course the left's outrage that a um, special master has been appointed that's going to slow down this investigation because they just want to indict Donald Trump before the midterms, and now that's looking unlikely. Um, Well, you know, Democrats... You know, they push these narratives, and it's projection. This is what fascists do, right? Uh, They blame the other party for what they're actually doing. Well, ahead of the midterms, Democrats are pushing that Republicans are going to cheat in the midterm elections. The truth is, you know, Democrats have been cheating nationally and locally for a very long time. But 2020 just exposed it and made people aware of it. So they got caught in one sense. Now, they didn't pay the price. They got away with it. But now people are looking at it very closely. And this is a problem when the spotlight is on the thief. Because, you know, uh, these criminals operate um, without people being aware of them, right? They, 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 their friend is people not knowing what they're up to. Uh, they're, they're, people aren't looking for it. They don't expect it. And so now we are. And so Republicans have been putting them under a microscope, finally trying to resolve this and take away the advantage that the Democrats have had, which is cheating. So we know that they cheat. And so, like I said, now that Republicans are fed up with it and they've caught on, well, Democrats are afraid that they're going to lose that secret advantage, which isn't really a secret. It's out in the open. But now everyone's aware of it. And so... You know, being concerned about the left cheating and trying to catch it and prevent it, well, the left says that is akin to cheating. So you've got Democrats out there raising alarm bells over Republicans who question the 2020 election results, but they are questioning the 2022 midterm results already. If you went to CNN today, and and I doubt you would, but I did because that's what I do. I read everything. Well, there were 10 stories populating the front page of CNN.com, they were all about Republicans cheating in the 2022 midterms. That's where they're going with this. They're looking to already discredit the results of the 2022 election, midterm results. And so accusing the left of cheating, that, that's an attack on uh, democracy. But Democrats accusing Republicans of cheating in the midterms is, is not? These people are nuts, huh? All right, so let's get into some of this. So uh, a judge, a Trump-appointed judge, uh, granted Trump a special master. Now, look, these documents that were seized are supposedly so sensitive that nobody 
apart from the president and a few other people had security clearances that could even read this stuff. That's how dangerous the material is. And yet you have all of these unidentified, unidentified FBI agents in the DOJ just pouring through them. Does that make sense? These documents are so dangerous that just your run-of-the-mill, your FBI agents can then just willy-nilly go through them and, and witness them. And, and it's so dangerous right, the contents of these classified documents that the DOJ and the FBI are leaking the broad brushstrokes of what those documents contain. Give me a break. But we know why they're upset about the the appointment of the special master, because the Democrats like to operate in darkness. They don't want any supervision. They don't want oversight. They want to conduct their schemes, their hoaxes, uh, without anyone being aware of it. That's why the January 6th committee, right? They're all a bunch of anti-Trump, pro-impeachment, Trump haters, and no one else in Congress is allowed to be privy to their investigations behind closed doors. What are they hiding? So, you know, you've got all these uh, supposed legal analysts going and making the rounds on the propagandist media networks, And they're pushing this narrative that, you know, this is shocking that this special master would be appointed to review these attorney-client privilege documents. Now, remember, they didn't just seize whatever they claimed to have seized, you know, nuclear documents and, you know, love letters to Kim Jong-un. Well, they seized tax documents, medical history documents of Trump, his passports, which have since, the passports at least, have been returned. So they just seized everything. They don't have the authority or the right to just look at all that stuff. Those are, that's a protected by attorney-client privilege. And furthermore, these top-secret classified documents, well, these people don't have any business reading them if they're so dangerous. But they've given away why they're upset. One of these, uh, uh, you know, faux legal analysts says that it's going to slow down the DOJ's investigation to a crawl. That's what they're upset about. This is interfering with their midterm strategy to just try and dump on Trump before the midterm. So this is impeding that. And so now they've, they've resorted to leaking the documents instead. Um, and, and, and what's funny about this, too, is, you know, look, the, the Democrats are using this, this hoax, the Mar-a-Lago hoax, uh, they're using it to interfere in the 2020 midterms. You know, they're trying to develop this story just like Trump-Russia collusion, just like the other invented hoaxes to distract from the failures of the Democratic Party. Um, and to, you know, try and make this midterm election about Donald Trump versus Joe Biden, which is ironic because they say, on the one hand, you know, I mean, these people are schizophrenic. It's not about, you know... Tr- uh, Trump, but it's all about Trump. This isn't, well, they'll say, you know, it, it's not about Biden. This midterms, the midterm, his midterms ha- have nothing to do with Biden. Of course they want it that way, because if it was about Biden, every single Democrat seat would be gone, wiped out of existence. So on the one hand, they say that. And on the other hand, they say, you know, well, yeah, this is all about Trump. We want this to be about Trump, not about what we've done to the country. So, so they're saying that, you know, the, the Department of Justice tries to avoid overt actions that could influence an election. The, the, 
I mean, I, I just, you know, it really is difficult to get through discussing this because it's so obvious. I feel like I'm trying to describe and convince somebody that the sky is blue. I mean, how long can you possibly keep that conversation going? But anyway, so you've got the Washington Post being leaked these documents. And, you know, the, um, the, uh, sorry, I'm just looking for something here. So, all right, former, former President Donald Trump, right? They say that he was hoarding classified documents that were so classified, so top secret, so dangerous that only cabinet members could read them. And yet the Department of Justice employees are leaking that information to the Washington Post. You cannot take these people seriously. So this information so dangerous that the Washington Post is being leaked the information and giving out the details by anonymous individuals to these select members of the press. Now, here's what the Post is saying. Well, you know, some of the seized documents detail top-secret U.S. operations that are so closely guarded that many senior national security officials are kept in the dark about them. Well, they're kept in the dark about them, but now all the American people, all of our enemies, are not in the dark about them. Is that responsible even if it was true, which it's not, that Trump had these dangerous documents that were so dangerous that not even anyone around him at Mar-a-Lago <clears throat> could be trusted to view them. Well, now they're just printing them in the Washington Post and telling them what they're about. So the Mar-a-Lago FBI agents, well, the FBI agents who were there raiding Mar-a-Lago, well, even they didn't have the clearance that would allow them to look at these documents. And yet, what are they doing? They're looking at all of these documents behind closed doors. And now, a uh, special master has seized those documents and is slowing down the investigation and is saying, hey, some of these things you can't look at. I mean, does any of this make sense to anybody? They're upset. Because the documents were so classified that the FBI agents that, that took them couldn't even look at them, but yet they're looking at them. And now that a special master has been appointed to go through those documents and separate the documents that they should be able to look at and shouldn't be able to look at, it, shouldn't that be a good thing to them if that's what they're concerned with? No, no, no. They're very upset about this. What a What a farce. What a farce. All right, well, let's get into some other things here. Uh, let's just talk about the Democratic Party for a moment. You know, the Democratic Party claims to be, of course, you know, the, the party of brilliance, right? They are, uh, they are our moral and intellectual superiors, the, the moral and intellectual heavyweights of America, right? That's the Democratic Party. And uh, yet a recent poll found that 25% nearly of Democrats believe that men can get pregnant, right? The party of science, men can get pregnant. What a crock this is. I'm a Democrat, so I must be smart. Smart is the wrong word, my friend. One quarter of you out there think that men can have babies, and all of you, of course, believe that you're responsible for global warming. But in this same poll... By the way, I mean, we, we've got a real problem in this country. And look, uh, this, this isn't racist because I'm white. 
But, you know, there is a white female problem in America. 36% of white college-educated female Democrats concurred that men can get pregnant. These are women, white women, who have, you know, uteruses. Many of them likely have children. And they, they are asserting that men can, can, can get, get pregnant? What is wrong with these people? White women in this country are a, a real danger to America. Well, white Democrat women, I must say. And like I said, I'm not being racist. I'm white. That's how this works, isn't it? You can only address people uh, if they're the same skin tone. And I am looking right now, and I am white as snow. So uh, I believe I can, I can comment on this. But speaking of brilliant Democrats, uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, she was asked about her future political career and ambitions. Uh, this interview was conducted by GQ. That would be Gentleman's Quarterly. Last time I checked, unless they changed it uh, because that's, you know, sexist. But, you know, I think it's Gentleman's Quarterly still. So GQ Magazine, they asked her if, they, if she thought AOC could be president or someone like her. And guess what she said in response? Now, you, you won't guess, but after I tell you, you will not be surprised at all. And, and this is a tiered system. Many things she said in rapid fire. So they get progressively stupider. Uh, this is AOC we're talking about. So uh, AOC first said that anything is possible, but of course, as a Democrat, had to say that in her experience, so many people in this country just hate women. You mean like the 36% of white college-educated female Democrats who say that men can have babies? I mean, they seem to hate women. Um, they don't embrace the beauty and marvel of their biological creation as being the sole individuals who can give birth. But so many people in this country hate women. They hate women so much, people in this country, that they voted in her district for a woman, AOC, to be a Congress pronoun. And, and look at this. The Democrats can't even d- define what a woman is. Women, you know, men and women don't even exist. You know, you can, you can choose to be a man or woman as easily as you can choose to have a tuna sandwich or a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. So how can we, where's the proof that people hate women if we can't even define what a woman, what is a woman, AOC? You say that so many people in this country hate women. Well, we don't even know what a woman is anymore. But, you know, this is, a, this is a person who was on Vanity Fair magazine. W- hate women. She's being interviewed by Gentleman's Quarterly magazine. It's a magazine for men. Is that evidence of hatred for women? But then it gets worse, right? Then she says, people ask me questions about the future And realistically, I can't even tell you if I'm going to be alive in September. And that weighs very heavily on me. Now, I don't know when this interview was conducted. I'm just reading about it now. It's being reported on now. But it's September now. Uh, Not going to be alive uh, this month? Is she now predicting the world's going to end because of global warming by the end of September? No, no, no. That's not where she's going with this. You know, although, according to AOC, the the world was supposed to have ended many years ago or, or Next year, I don't know, whatever she said, we had five or ten years left. 
Global warming, man-made climate change is a hoax, by the way. Um, so anyway, you know, so, so she, she's, she's referring, I believe, to some threat to her person from the Trumpies. That, that's the new label from Biden, by the way. The Trumpies. Doesn't that sound threatening? The Trumpies. Trumpsters, it used to be. Now it's the Trumpies. I mean, you know, they're, they, they, they're confusing their own voter base. With all these different labels. I mean, are we the Trumpers, the Trumpies? Are we the semi-fascists? Are we the ultra-maga? Are we the ultra-super-magas? Very, very hard to understand. I would recommend um, that they start getting on the same page and really put their energy into one particular label because the Democrats are going to be really divided. You know, some people are going to want to call us Trumpies. Some people are going to want to call us Trumpsters. Some say semi-fascist. Some say full-out fascist. I mean, who knows? It's so confusing. They're going to have arguments at their own dinner tables while they plot to um, swat the next Republican con- Congress man or woman's home. And, you know, the mentality of AOC, What? What a ch- this is someone who does not have a developed brain. And this is most uh, Democrat Millennials, by the way, you know, they've never known hardship. Uh, They've had had it way too easy. I mean, AOC was a bartender before she auditioned for the Democratic Party, and that should be turned into a reality TV series, by the way. I wouldn't you love to see that a behind the scenes look at the grooming, the selection process of Democrat candidates. May the dumbest contestant win. Can you imagine AOC? Lasting one shift in a bar. She believes that all men hate women. She believes that women are under attack. She's got all these mental issues. And think about a bar. You got all these men everywhere. They're hitting on women. Superficiality. She was making drinks for all those misogynists in the bar. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. You know, last episode, I think I touched on you know, what's going on in California. So yesterday was incredibly hot. You know, I think, you know, the readings differ depending on what app you're using, what website you're using. But, you know, it was about 116 degrees yesterday. It was hot. Thankfully, I had AC and I was cranking that thing all day. I'll have to pay the price when the uh, electricity bill comes in. But man, it felt good to keep that thermostat below what Gavin Newsom told me. He said 78. I'd put it on 74. But, I, you know, we didn't have a power outage up here. Maybe all the Democrats were being responsible, you know? Maybe they were just sweltering uh, in the heat here in the uh, rich enclave of St. Helena, California. But anyway, rich people suffering, by the way. So, so rolling blackouts, I haven't had them here yet. Um, but they have begun, apparently, in Palo Alto, California. Now, Palo Alto is a very, very rich community. It's down there by Atherton which is the richest zip code in America. It's, you know, where Stanford University is. It's where the tech elite call home, where they've got, you know, some Michelin restaurants. It's very, very expensive. These, this is where Zuckerberg and these folks hang out, the Billionaires Club. And uh, it's, it's home, of course, to, to exclusively environmentalist leftist wackos. And these are the people that Gavin Newsom said were not to plug in their Teslas because there's not electricity Enough electricity in California to power Teslas when it's hot. You don't have this problem with gas-powered vehicles, by the way. 
Now, it's expensive, but I can go to the gas station and still get gas. But uh, electricity here. Ooh, boy. They shut down the electricity in Palo Alto. I bet those selfish libs, those virtue signalers, I bet they plugged in their Teslas anyway. They were not going to be stopped from going and having their, uh, their lunches and their dinners and, you know, meeting with one another in their mansions. Can you imagine, though, buying a Tesla, being one of these people that's bamboozled? Like, if you, if you want to buy a Tesla, I don't have a problem with it. That, that's not my point. I, I do actually believe in freedom. Teslas are really cool cars. I mean, they go from zero to 60 real quick. Uh, they're really impressive. I don't want a Tesla, but if you have a Tesla, great. Um, but, you know, imagine buying a Tesla because you believe you're saving the planet, and then you're told you can't charge your Tesla. And, you know, these dopes want every Californian driving an electric vehicle. By 2035, California is saying there's going to be a 100, 100% ban on the new sale of gas-powered vehicles. They don't have electricity to charge their Teslas now. They're shutting down the electricity because of the Teslas. And uh, now they want to put every Californian in an electric vehicle. Just brilliant. Brilliant, isn't it? So do you remember back in the, speaking of the attack on the oil and gas industry, you know what's amazing about that too is that you have 16 or 17 states that somehow uh, have their, their energy plans uh, tied to California's. So California passing this r- absurd, dangerous you know, legislation or whatever banning gas-powered vehicles where 16 or 17 states, by virtue of whatever laws they have passed, are following the lead of California. I got to dig deeper into that. that that's, that's nuts to me. I got to figure that one out and try to understand it. But, uh, you know, you, you know how Biden has said, right? Um, you know, not long ago, they said that Biden had approved more drilling leases, I think, on federal land than Trump. Well, I want to explain how the Democrats lie, how they manipulate the truth, how they tell partial truths to spread their narrative. Well, anyway... That was then. It turns out, so currently Biden has issued the fewest oil and gas leases since the 1940s. And we've heard them say he's given out record number of leases. Now, whether it was true back then or not, here's where the lie sets in. It turns out that the Department of Interior, well, they've issued just 126,228 acres of federal land for drilling. And that's in 19 months of, of, of Biden being in office. And so that's the Smallest amount of acreage, um, you know, ever approved for federal dr- drilling, right? So the point is, it's like, all right, you know, let, let, let you know, okay, let's say you give out 300 leases, but it's only for 100,000 acres of federal land. Okay, what good is that when somebody before gave out, let's say, a hundred, a third, a hundred leases, but for 400,000 acres. Do you see how this works? Oh, I gave out the most leases for federal, uh, you know, federal, you know, leases on federal property or whatever. Okay, yeah, but it's for the least amount of land. So you gave out 300 federal, I'm just making this number up. You gave out 300 leases for 100,000 acres. But, you know, Trump gave out, 50 leases for 400,000 acres. Do you see how this works, how they manipulate this stuff? 
you got to pay attention to these Democrats. They're very, very sneaky. And, and unfortunately, a lot of people are really, well, are just easily bamboozled. Um, well, I feel like I've, I've felt, I've kept this episode fairly lighthearted. I mean, we still talked about some serious things here. But one of the things I do want to do, there are a lot of angry folks out there, including you and me. I mean, there's plenty to be upset about. Uh, but I'm trying more and more to lean into the humorous side of things. It doesn't mean we're not going to be serious here. We will. Um, but, there, you know, uh, you know, comedy is the best way, I think, of getting through to the indoctrinated out there as well. You know, it's why they attack the comedians, because they're really effective. It opens people's minds. It, it, you know, it cuts through the barriers they put up in their minds to, to insulate themselves uh, with whatever pre-programmed thinking uh, that goes on in there. But uh, the the press secretary, Corrine Jean-Pierre, do, do you realize that most of these Democrats who are in elected offices or appointed offices, who are working in the federal government in whatever capacity, they don't have the acumen to work any private sector job. They don't have any skills whatsoever. I mean, the government's like a welfare program for the dumb Americans out here. It's like, you're too stupid to actually really succeed in real life. You don't have any valuable skills. So we're going to employ you. The taxpayer's going to pay you. And you're going to make a ton of money. That's really what this is. So she was referring to the Nord Stream pipeline, right? So, so this is, we'll end with this. So, man, who didn't see this coming? Joe Biden, uh, the Democrats. Although they probably saw it coming and it's part of the bigger picture and plan. But, you know, uh, winter's coming. Winter is coming. Um, and across Europe and Ukraine. And Europe depends upon Russia for their natural gas, right? To heat their homes, for example. Ditto Ukraine. Well, Russia is now using that as leverage. Russia, of course, has been experiencing, you know, sanctions, some have worked. I mean, they're definitely in a recession, but then again, so are we. We kind of sanctioned ourselves, didn't we? But anyway, so now Russia's going to, they've, they've shut off and they're threatening to continue shutting off natural gas to Europe that relies upon it in order to make it so painful that they lift sanctions on Russia. And we, we, we predicted this was going to happen. And, of course, no efforts have been made to stave this off. I mean, man, you know, if, if, if I, I, I just pick any war you want, you know, we, 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 we would never win anything with these morons making decisions, whether it's World War II, the Civil War, any of it. These people are just, man, I mean, they, they just can't see anything. Uh, but, of course, this is part of the plan to force us off of, you know, fossil fuels, right? Just make it so painful, whether it's Russia cutting it off or whatever. Well, look, the only... Yeah, you could drill for oil. You could, you know, produce more oil. But let's not do that. Let's not do that, even though that's an option on the table. Let's just force everyone to buy electric vehicles, and then there won't be any power to power anything anyway. Brilliant solution. So anyway, that that's what they're up to in Russia. And so anyway, I guess Karine Jean-Pierre was being asked about this, and she referred to the Nord Stream pipeline as the Nordstrom pipeline. Nordstrom pipeline. 
you know, like the retail store, Nordstrom. I was just there at a Nordstrom last week uh, because there's not any clothing stores where I am. So I had to drive all the way to Marin County and go to a Nordstrom to buy some clothes. But it's the Nordstrom, too. And Corrine Jean-Pierre said it was the Nordstrom. I mean, that's a pretty big mistake, don't you think? Maybe she was thinking about Nordstrom. Maybe she just bought some clothes for herself with a taxpayer dollar. Who knows? She's always got egregious outfits out there that some stylist would never let her go out there and wear. But anyway, she called it the Nordstrom. Can you imagine if Donald Trump or any Republican called it the Nordstrom pipeline? It would be the end, right? They'd be the laughing stock of America. MSNBC, CNN, you know, they'd all be lambasting, saying he's unfit for office. But she is unfit to be press secretary. But there you have it, the Nordstrom pipeline. I cannot imagine uh, what's next out of her mouth. Anyway, uh, this is Drew Allen. God bless you all, and until next time.